Today on the TMBA podcast, we're going to talk about five realities of running a business in 2017. We're going to mention a lot of show news coming up. And also, we're going to discuss a chance to win $1,500 for nearly no work. Nearly no work. Easy. When's the last time you heard of a deal like that? Sounds too good to be true. It does. You're going to have to stick around to hear about that and much more. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Ian. Are you exhausted or tired from the listeners don't know you just hosted a bunch of entrepreneurs at an event in Austin, Texas and uh, you were the organizer. We were the organizers. So, how are you feeling? I'm feeling amazing. You are. It was a really fun time. Yeah. I mean, the 2 days after the event, I didn't even look at my phone. I had like <laughs> 30 text messages unread. I just wanted to uh be outside and not focus on any of that stuff, but during the event, because it was so intense, that is, during the event, I was having a blast, man. It started on, basically started on Thursday, and it went all the way through Sunday. I don't know about you, Dan, but I'm not used to being on that much. And by on, I mean, like, we're talking to people, we're talking about business, we're hosting an event, we're staying in these hotels, and uh, very fun time for me. We're throwing a... Uh bluegrass music parties in your backyard, which I thought was pretty cool. Hanging out in your RV. (laughs) (laughs) I just had an absolute blast, man. And the people that came into town were super cool, super cool, great people, and also amazing entrepreneurs. So for me, it was like spring break. I'll tell you what, thank you to the listeners of this show for coming out to that event. It was really cool to to learn from everybody and to meet everybody and to soak up the good vibes. We are going to share some realities some gut checks that we learned from these proven entrepreneurs over the past weekend, what it's like to be successful in business in 2017. That's what we're going to talk about on today's show. But I want to talk about a little something before that, a lesson I learned from a great American road trip, because I drove to Austin, Texas from the Northeast. That's something that not even I would do, and I like driving a lot. <laughs> I learned something about this great country called America. It is vast. That's the first thing. <laughs> it's the first time I visited New Orleans, Ian, and I show up there, and it's a city like no other. This is a recording from five minutes after I get on the ground. There's music in the streets. There's a sense of lawlessness around you. <laughs> it's beautiful architecture built by the French. So it's not, we had an episode with Chuck from Strong Towns. There's this way that American cities are designed sort of around cars, parking garages and big wide boulevards and such. And New Orleans isn't like that. It's a walking city. You can walk around and see all these beautiful homes. It has a unique smell to it. Everything about the place is, you'll never forget it. You'll never forget it, man. And speaking of the vastness of this country, you call New Orleans the deep south. If you look on a map, like this is as far south as you can get in the United States. I drove 10 hours that day directly north, and I was still in what you would technically call the dirty south. The dirty south being the southeast. (laughs) The southeast, that's right. Right. I drove to the foothills of South Carolina, 
to a little place called Clemson University. Now, if you're an American, you're going to know Clemson University because they're the 2016 College Football National Champions. Go Tigers! You guys waited a long time for that, didn't you? And you came close. Since 1981. That's right. But, and our coach's name is Davo Sweeney. And I'm going to say the names in the South are awesome, you know? <laughs> and you say our coach. What does that mean? It means he's the coach of the football team. Everybody knows him. He's more famous than the governor. Oh, well, what I was getting at is that what you didn't say, which is that's where you went to college. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reason I went there. I didn't go there to congratulate them on their win. I went there to do a little trip down memory lane. And I did exactly that. So has anything changed? I want to share a business lesson from this. Yeah, this is my first takeaway before we get into the meat of this episode. But first off, it was awesome. Clemson's a beautiful place. I had a great four years there. I had not been back since. And I was only there for a few hours, but I took a walking tour. And I went to, there's like three bars on campus. And there's like the weirdo bar, the jock bar, and like the catch-all party person bar. You know, there's like three places to go. And so, of course, I went to the Weirdo Bar, which is the place where I had my first drink as a legal 21-year-old, you know, person that can go to a bar in college. And what struck me about it was how nothing had changed. But anyway, I walk into this business, order a beer and some hot wings, and it's like the same beer, the same hot wings, the same name. And I thought to myself, well, this is a great business because they've just been putting cash in that cash register for the last 14 years. But it also got me thinking, and and this is perhaps a lesson for the show, and the biggest successes that I've seen in our community at the conferences that we throw, they don't have businesses that look like that. They don't have businesses that nothing changes in 14 years and it doesn't matter who's behind the counter because people are just coming in there to order a beer or whatever. The people that are up on stage talking at our events are specifically targeting industries that have a great deal of change going on. They're directing their skill sets towards the frontiers. And I just think that that was a lesson that I walked away with is, look, if you have a bunch of money and you want to buy something that's old, safe, and established, that's a great way to maybe make a little bit of return on your money. But if you want to change your life, if you want to go from cubicle to wealthy or from gainfully employed to gainfully unemployed forever, I think you need to seek out horizons and industries Places in the world that have a great deal of dynamic quality and that are changing. The reality is, is that if you want to go from having a job to becoming wealthy as an entrepreneur, I think you need to take your skill sets that you develop professionally and focus them on areas of growth, on WordPress, on the Amazon ecosystem, on e-commerce stuff. And these are the industries that are changing rapidly. And those are the tides that are going to lift all the boats. And that's my lesson from driving across this great country of America. Well, honestly, Dan, I'm surprised that there aren't more lessons because you had 24 hours coming this way and then 24 hours going back. I mean, that's a lot of thinking that you could have been doing. All right, Ian, we got, as is in TMBA tradition, five realities of doing business in 2017 that we want to talk about. This is like a decompression show. If you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you know that we have these events scattered throughout the year, generally one or two of them. And after we have one of these events, we come on the show and we share with everybody that didn't come to one of these events what we learned and what the takeaways were. 
Yeah. And I want to say something overall. For me personally, I think I took away more from this event than I have in the last few. I didn't think about it scientifically, but I really came away thinking differently, specifically from the things that I learned here. And we're going to do some things differently based on the feedback that we received from uh, so many of the awesome conversations we had. So a lot of that's going to make its way into uh, these five points, Ian. The first one is it can still take a really long time to make your business a reality. Okay. So this is sort of a message to everybody who feels like things might be going a little too slow or dragging along. There's a lot of smart people that came to this conference with great businesses for whom it took a really long time. And a lot of stories on this show, people come on and say, I launched an Amazon store in 12 months, made hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm already a success story on the TMBA podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> but the reality is, is you know, we talk, it's, it t- this stuff takes three years from the day you open your cash register to the day you say, I'm making as much as I made in my professional career. That's the thousand day principle. But the reality of the thousand day principle is it can often take a thousand days or 2000 days until you're ready to open that cash register, until you've completed an apprenticeship or gained a professional skill set. And so it's not surprising that we've met many people that would say, hey, I've been listening to your podcast for six years. This is the first time that I've qualified to come to an event, or this is the first time that I had the extra cash to come out to the event. For me, there's this idea that when I hear somebody that started a business and is Amazon business or whatever, and it took them 12 months, and all of a sudden you're making all this money, for some reason, that story tries to stick in my brain as the norm for whatever reason. And then you meet a bunch of people like I did at the conference in Austin here. And it's like, oh, no, it took about three to five years to really get to where I wanted to be. And actually, that's the norm. Yeah. (laughs) Those are the majority of the people that you'll meet. But for some reason, our brains try and trick us. And when we hear these stories of people doing amazing things in 12 months, you think, well, I'm really behind schedule. The truth is that you're not behind schedule. It takes a long time to build anything that's sustainable. Yeah. And there's sort of a grind and a tenacity behind it. I called it like working the system. I saw so many people that are having a great amount of success that keep coming back to doing our masterminds, right? Not only do they come to the in-person masterminds, which is where you know you sit around a table or you get on a phone call and you, you share critical ideas with each other to try to move each other forward. It's like they keep coming back twice a year, plus the virtual call, coming to the event, seeing the people, working the system, so to speak. And it's like, it's easy to complain about that stuff. It's easy to think that you're better than that stuff or looking for the next big thing or whatever. And I think that that's why we design things the way we do. It's like, you know, the people who are going to win in the end of the day are going to keep coming back to doing the hard things. Yeah, I equated to building a house. I was explaining this to somebody the other day and I was like, yeah, man, I can, I can build a structure that I can sleep in in a couple of days, right? But if you want to build a structure that you can sleep in, have your family under, have it be able to weather storms, have a resale value, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to take a while and it's going to take a shit ton of hard work. This week's show is sponsored by Jungle Scout. Jungle Scout is an awesome analytical tool that has helped thousands to launch and grow profitable Amazon businesses. Jungle Scout makes it simple to come up with endless product ideas and then make informed decisions about which one of them will sell profitably because the major challenge to success on the Amazon platform is choosing the right product. In fact, Jungle Scout's founder and CEO, Greg Mercer, spoke last year at our event and was also on this podcast, episode number 324, 
the Amazon gold rush talking about exactly that. In that episode, if you go back and take a listen, Greg shared the details of how he came up with an idea of selling modified bamboo marshmallow sticks, no joke, which made nearly $200,000 in sales in the first year. And if you like that story, they have another case study out right now available to TMBA listeners at junglescout.com slash TMBA. Catch the most up-to-date strategies as Greg shares the process of launching a new product, Hooded Baby Towels, with the ambitious target of hitting a million dollars in sales and donating all the profits to charity. It's an inspiring story which also provides the knowledge required to get started as an e-commerce seller. So whether you're new to Amazon or already established, finding the right items to sell can be a pain in the butt. It's time-consuming, tedious, and restrictive, and that's when Jungle Scout comes in to help all of that. Many sellers confidently vote Jungle Scout as the most important tool they use on a daily basis in their business. You can see those at junglescout.com slash testimonials. Don't take my word for it. In brief, Jungle Scout is an invaluable tool for people wanting to grow and scale profitable location-independent businesses. If that sounds good, get right on it. Check out their special case study for TMBA listeners, junglescout.com slash TMBA. And big thanks to the Jungle Scout team for sponsoring the show. Reality number two, it's harder than ever to hire A players. This is something that hit me like a ton of bricks when I was watching Jason Cohn, the founder of WP Engine, speak. It's funny to have someone with hundreds and hundreds of employees and is quite famous at this point get up on stage and basically talk about psychological head trash, right? <laughs> yeah. And happiness and energy and identifying your unique skill set. And this stuff, again, it's really hard stuff and it doesn't go away once money starts coming into your bank account. Here's what he said about hiring A players. And the reason he thought it was important is because when you have a business that's running and lots of clients and you have a team of B players, that business can, I think for lack of a better term, it can depress you. It can make you feel depressed because it becomes extremely stressful you think that you can't get out of that business. You fantasize about becoming a lumberjack or a taxi driver and getting the hell out of the psychological stress of what you've created. One of his ideas that he submitted was, look, here's the way that we hire people in our businesses. We say, okay, I'm a salesperson and that's why I started my business, but I need email funnels. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend three months and learn everything I can about email funnels. I'm going to set up a MailChimp account. I'm going to start email marketing. I'm going to learn how to do this. And I think we've advocated for this on the show too, Ian. I'm going to learn how to do this skill set. And then I'm going to go out and I'm going to hire an A player for email funnels. And the reason I spent that three months is I got to understand this stuff and its impact on my business before I can hire. All good and well. The problem is, it's insane to think, and again, this is Jason's idea, it's insulting to think that you can become an expert in something in three months, right? <laughs> like these skill sets we've developed, like we said, thousand day principles, they take years, half a decade to become good at some of these skill sets. And to think that you as an entrepreneur are going to spend half your time dwindling around in something, and then all of a sudden, you're going to be able to manage somebody and direct somebody who's a, quote, A player in this space is insanity. 
So for him, this is how it breaks down is basically you're an A player as an entrepreneur, you have your superpower, whatever that might be. And then you decide that you're going to learn funnels, right? And so you start building funnels. The problem is when you start building funnels, you're no good at it because you've only been spending three months doing it. So you're a B or C player. Yeah. And then when you get to hire somebody, you can only recognize B or C players because that's what you've been up to. It's very hard for you to identify A players. And so you end up hiring a B or a C player. I think it's even worse than that. You convince yourself that you know how to do email marketing in your business. And this is what hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm that classic arrogant entrepreneur who's like, I know how these email funnels are definitely going to grow my business, right? And now it's like, I need somebody who buys into my vision for that, right? Because I'm going to direct them on how to do this. And that's exactly the mindset that gets you into a B player. Because a B player is going to say, oh yeah, your mindset looks great. Awesome. What's the pay? When can I take lunch break? How much vacation do I get, right? (laughs) (laughs) Good first questions in an interview, by the way, to be disqualified from this organization. But there's a reason people do this though, Ian, is because they're scared of getting taken advantage of. We've all had the situation where if you don't know about that functional area of your business, it's easier for someone to BS you and come in and say they're great and then not be so great because you don't understand what they're doing. Yeah, I think there is a level of competency that you have to have before you hire somebody, obviously. But the idea is this, is I think that Jason has this belief for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is because I believe that he trusts his business will grow and scale. Like He has a mindset that allows him to believe that his business will be taking off to the right for the next couple of years in terms of growth. So that's one thing. I think he's planning on success. The other thing is that he can afford it. And so in so many of our businesses, I think that we start off bootstrapped and we start out cash tight and we're trying to hire people for as little as possible. We're trying to hire part-time workers on ODES, things like this. And so we can't necessarily afford this type of position at first, or at least to hire A players. But let me talk about how this head trash can screw up even a very, very small bootstrap company. It's like, let's say you write like these great, great white papers or whatever, and that's what you sell in your business. It's very tempting to say, you know what would really help my white paper business is that if I distributed my white papers to 15 different marketing channels. So I'm going to go learn about marketing and distribution for three months, and then I'm going to hire somebody to execute that plan. And of course, you don't have enough money to do that. Of course, you're not going to invest in that because that's not what makes money in your business. What makes money in your business is writing white papers. So what you ought to be considering is, can I bring somebody in for whom writing results-oriented white papers is their superpower. It's something that gives them energy. And that's a profitable move. That's a move that you could afford as an entrepreneur. So that's, I think, the challenge that this sort of thinking brings into, which is to hire for the revenue areas of your business, not just all the other things that you think you should be doing in your business. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I want to define superpowers because that was another part of Jason's talk. So he defines superpowers as he told a story as the person working in the room at this party. You walk in, maybe you're an introvert and you see this person going from people to people and laughing and having a great time. And then they come back to the introvert and the introvert says, how did you do that? You're amazing. You're working the room. You are the life of the party. And that person says, what are you talking about? I'm just hanging out, having a good time at the party. Right. And that's what he defines as a superpower. It's like something that you do that you get energy from or you don't get tired from. And so I think all of us in our business, if we are entrepreneurs, part of the reason why we are successful is because we have some kind of superpower. So it's important to try and identify what that superpower is, stick to that superpower and hire around yourself. Right. Another thing about superpowers, you might not recognize it. 
So Ian, we've done two points so far. It can still take a really long time to make your business a reality and why it's harder than ever to hire A players. But honestly, I'm feeling inspired to go on a sidebar right here about superpowers. Would it be okay if I did that? I have something else to say about superpowers, so yes. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he had this struggle in his life, which is that he's excellent at this thing. It's technology. And that excellent thing allows him to go make really good money, basically whenever he wants. So he's in a very privileged situation in his life. The problem with what he's excellent at, it's not a superpower. It drains him. It makes him tired, even though he's really, really good at it. You know, it's not what he would do if he weren't getting paid. So I want to define real quick here the superpower pyramid because you touched on another word that Jason used, which is excellent. This is all going to drip out eventually through these stories. But basically, excellence sits right below superpowers. And generally, like you said, like the friend that you're describing, that's where a lot of us spend our time making our money is because we're good at it. But it's not necessarily a source of energy. It's just something that we've developed a skill set for year over year. It might be something that you went to school for. It might be something that you've had a job for in the last 10 years. You're excellent at it. You're really good. You make a lot of money, but it's not something that you truly enjoy doing. That's right. So my friend is excellent at technology. The problem is, is his superpower is something different entirely. And it's something that traditionally isn't thought of as a real money-making skill set, okay? That's important here because he's contemplating a career change because he's not happy. The problem is someday he wants to have kids. He wants to send those kids to college. He wants to have savings. Money's important in life, right? And so he has this dilemma on his hands. One of the things he said to me is he always felt like if he went and did technology for 10 years, I don't want to take any shots at the early retirement crowd or... Mr. Money Mustache or all these guys, but his thinking is kind of in line with that philosophy, which is basically have a high paying job for a decade or two. Then I can save enough money or quote, become wealthy. Then I'll do what really gives me energy in life. I'm going to do my passion, become a professor at a university or whatever. Here's the situation though. Based on my experience, when I look at these two options, the path in the woods, one towards excellence and draining and 10-year strategy of doing what you're supposed to do and making good money versus the superpower roll of the dice. What's more likely to make you wealthy? What's more likely to put you in a position where you would say, you know what, I'm functionally retired? My sense is that you roll those superpower dice, particularly if You have an excellent skill set that's earned you money in the past because what ultimately happens is that you can combine that skill set with your superpower in ways that you might not be able to predict in advance. That's the interesting thing about this. You know, it's like when people stand up on stage and they, they say, I followed my superpower and like, here's the linear growth of my company and here's how it all worked out. That's a story. That's a rationalization of a illegible, crazy process that unfolded over five years, right? They didn't know that story in advance. That's insanity. But it's easy then to think about when you're making a decision that the one that has the clearer story is the one you should choose. And often it is that clear story goes along with your excellent skill sets, like how you can be an excellent developer. It's the predictable path. Yeah, move to San Francisco, join a startup, get 2% equity. And then if you're lucky, you know, you become rich and then you can do what you really want to do. My advice, and I think, I hope the theme of this show is hey, think about what you really want to do, 
what gives you energy in life, and then do it in the way that's useful to other people. And keep making connections, keep working the system, use the principle of usefulness, like how is what I'm doing valuable to other people too? Stay focused there, and I think that that's the better way to become wealthy. I honestly think that. In terms of your superpower, I think what you said is true, which is it's very hard to often identify what your superpower is. And so there's a couple ways that you can do that. One is you can ask the people that are closest to you, the friend that you're talking about, He's probably very in touch with himself, and so he knows what his superpower is, it sounds like. But a lot of people don't know what their superpower is. We've talked about this before, which is whatever you're doing for free, you love. And I would guess that that might be one of your superpowers. Well, here's my final piece on that, which is don't pigeonhole your superpower. Because it's easy to say, oh, well, like I'm great at networking at parties, or like that's what I love to do. There's no way to get wealthy networking at parties. Therefore... I have to do what I'm excellent at and drain myself and work for 20 years at the same thing. That's like an improper dichotomy. I think you need to say there's like a way in which your superpower could manifest on a different stage, right? So for me, that might have been earlier in my life. I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if I could be a rock star, right? And what I think a lot of people say is like, that's my superpower. I could like run a band all day long. Like I freaking love writing songs. So... I can't make money doing that. I tried it a million ways and I'm going to quit and just go do something that's good enough. But I think you can work that superpower a little bit and say, well, what is it that I like about running a band so much? You know, I like performing. I like being on stage. I like being creative. And you could find another way for those superpowers to manifest, like say, doing a weekly podcast. For example, yeah. (laughs) For example, (laughs) Final point here for me on superpowers is this. One of the things that I noticed about pretty much all of the entrepreneurs that were at DC Austin and a lot of people that I surround myself with is they have, I think they're very close to reality. Meaning like I think that they understand whatever their truth is. And we don't need to get like too philosophical on this point, Dan, but... Oh no, we're already down the rabbit trail (laughs) by all means. Part of identifying your superpower is understanding who you are and what you're good at and what you love to do, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I said, if you don't know what you're good at, maybe you can ask your friends or maybe you can dig a little bit deeper and think about it. But one of the things that I really, truly valued about all of the entrepreneurs that were at DC Austin and most of the people probably listening to the show is that you are very in touch with reality. You have a good grip on what your truth is. And I think that that is super important for determining the answers to some of these questions. Ian, point number three is knocking on the door, insisting that we get to it. Hello. (laughs) Point number three, realities of running a business in 2017. The vast majority of the professional class has no idea that your opportunity exists. So I was sitting in a meetup and we were talking about content marketing. And a lot of the woes were coming from entrepreneurs saying, you know, I go to like these platforms and I hire quote copywriters or web writers or VAs and all this stuff. I think internet entrepreneurs, they often get themselves into this place where like you can only hire people that understand the internet, like the sort of gig marketplaces. And you're hiring these people that Maybe, I mean, honestly, you can call yourself a writer after you don't have to have any particular qualification to do that. All you need to do is sign up for a job board and apply to writing jobs. Best-selling author, bro. Best-selling author. And these are the people that are applying for these kinds of jobs. And what I want to say is like, 
those aren't the best hires. Those aren't the A players. The A players are going to be the people that have a professional skill set that's been honed over multiple years. Who are those people? Who are the people that got paid for their writing for half a decade or more? Well, you could look to journalists. You could look to editors who've worked for publishing companies. These people of the professional class, they don't know about you Listener of the TMBA podcast. They absolutely don't know about your opportunity. And if they do know about it, they don't think it's for them, right? They don't think that it's possible to get fulfilled, to get paid decently, to work for some upstart e-commerce company or some upstart podcast. The reality is if you can position your opportunity for those people, there's nobody that doesn't want a little extra fulfillment or a little extra time flexibility or the opportunity to raise their kids from home or the opportunity to go on a month-long vacation instead of a long weekend. If you can provide that to people, you're in an incredible competitive advantage. So what I'm trying to say is I think listeners of this show undersell themselves when they're hiring consistently. This was a broader topic at the conference, hiring. I think what you're trying to say, Dan, is there's these two circles, right? And they don't necessarily overlap. And I think it's the job of each of the circles to educate each other. So I think as these internet entrepreneurs that we are, we think we're like, we're so different from these other professionals that sit in their cubicles all day. But the reality is like a lot of us entrepreneurs would like to hire those people because they are professionals, because they are good at what they do. And a lot of those people sitting in cubicles want something to do with the quote entrepreneurial lifestyle where you don't have to be in an office all day, but they still want to work on their craft. And so that's what came out during Laura Roeder's talk, which I thought was super cool. She owns Meet Edgar, which is she advocated basically for hiring professionals that are quote looking for like an alternative lifestyle. So for example, I think a lot of times, and this was Laura's point, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we try and hire entrepreneurs. And Laura said, look, this is the worst thing that you can possibly do because entrepreneurs are trying to grow their own business, right? Because these are the people that we're closest to. These are the people that we're attracted to. But generally speaking, this might not be the best approach. It might be a good idea to hire a professional that, quote, wants an entrepreneurial lifestyle. These people sitting in cubicles that have been crafting their profession over the last 10 years, they might be a great person to be on your team and they might want something that that corporation can't offer them. So for example, in our company, Dan, what we offer is having the ability to work from anywhere. We offer flexible hours, but we also offer opportunities to professionals. So that's where the intersection is here. This is laziness. This is pure laziness. This is what this comes down to because the entrepreneurs, they're spending time clarifying their value proposition to you. And so so much easier to hire somebody who's like, already selling you on the solution as opposed to saying, you know what, who would be the A player here that's going to bring their superpower to my business? They're going to think about my business when they're in the shower. They're not going to think about their business when they're in the shower. That's what Laura is encouraging us to do is to own the shower. That's what you want in this situation, okay? <laughs> <laughs> she said you want to own own shower time, which is basically, if they're having a thought in the shower, it should be about your business, not about theirs. And that's where she was saying that she sees it go wrong sometimes, right? Is that as entrepreneurs, we hire other entrepreneurs. Well, the other entrepreneur that you're trying to hire, they're trying to grow their business. Let me talk about another reality, because we talk about location independence all the time, which is being anywhere you want to be. Let's talk about the reality of having kids, okay? Which is something that a lot of people, a lot of people be doing, 
People been having kids. I don't know if this is news to you, boss man, or what. Oh, man. And you know what the number one location-independent desire of parents is? To be location-independent? Did you say it in the question there? I might have. It's not to go to (laughs) Thailand. It's not to spend the summer in Europe. The number one desire is to be around their parents, to be around the grandparents. Right alongside of that is, is to work from home so that you can be there in your kids' lives. And so what you have is a generation of parents who they got advanced degrees, they went to college, they moved away from home, they moved to a big city, they honed their professional skill set, and then in their mid-30s, they had kids. And now they've got 15 years of professional experience that you can take advantage of if you can offer something that looks like, hey, be at home, be around the grandparents, have that freedom and flexibility. And that's really, I think, what Laura was encouraging us to look at is, can you find people in this demographic? If you look back at TMBA, just go to the site, search Hire My Mom, an episode will come up where we talk just about this, which is moms who are professionals that are looking for part-time work. And basically, this is who Laura is hiring. She's hiring people that are very similar to this. And it's working very well in her business. And let me say this. Here's a crossover between Jason Cohen's business and Laura's business, is that both of these entrepreneurs expect that their business will succeed. And therefore, they don't do these like half-stack or half-baked hires. They just go for it. And they hire people that are professionals. And they hire them because they know that their company is growing and scaling. And they know that they're going to have success. So... In a lot of ways, I think that that's difficult, Dan, is because you have to trust that your process is going to work. You have to trust that your business is going to grow. But on the other side of it, I think that there's a real advantage to hiring professionals. Okay. So well, how can you do that, though? Let me interrupt. And I think Jason has an answer for this because that's my first objection. So, well, easy for you to say, Ian, but how can I trust if I've only spent three months doing this stuff? How do I know that they're going to be able to grow the business? And The answer that Jason supplied is that you need to have an interview process that digs into the past results of this person. This is a tricky thing to suss out because what a lot of people will do is they'll talk a big game, basically, right? They'll put themselves in a position where they're talking about all the the big things that happened around them. And the thing as an entrepreneur that you need to be able to suss out is, was this person responsible for creating results in the past? Makes total sense. Let's move on to point number four. Knowledge work, you need to be deliberate and honest about your attachment to the business. This is interesting. One of the things I walked away from the conference is saying, there's a difference between being a founder and being an owner in a business. And that's a choice that you need to make. Mm, I think it's interesting that you, you said deliberate and honest. Again, this is like what we are talking about earlier, which is just being able to be truthful with yourself in terms of the way that you're operating and interacting with people. Yeah. And what's the difference between a founder and an owner? I think you can dig into people's attachment to their business and and you can make a judgment as to which one they feel like they're operating as in their business. We were joking like, who was it that mentioned, you know, when you show up to a hotel, do you expect the owner to come out and shake your hand when you arrive? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, no, that would be ridiculous. Like the owner of this hotel is cutting other hotel deals or is sitting on a beach or she's hanging out with her kids, whatever the owner of this hotel does, they're definitely not sitting at the front desk of the hotel. And I would not assume that they ever are. 
And a lot of times in these small businesses, I, I think that actually it's the fault of the entrepreneur or the owner that expects that of themselves. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what other businesses is the owner, would it make sense for the owner of the business to sit at the front desk? I mean, a lot of times in the case of the hotel, a lot of the employees don't even know who the owner of the business is. So it wouldn't be weird for the owner to walk right through the lobby and have no one recognize them. But I think there's a bit of self-importance that comes with these businesses that we're building, Dan. And we want people to know who we are, maybe, or we think that we're so important, everybody should know who we are, et cetera, et cetera. There's this perennial argument over whether the four-hour work week is possible or whether it's interesting or whether you want to work four hours a week and stuff. And it's like, these people have not met wealthy people or they have not come to conferences like this because, of course, it's possible. There's tons of people that are doing way less than this because they just own something, right? That's the whole idea. They, they own it. They don't, it doesn't have to be their job, right? So I think determining you know, whether that's your job and whether you have a role in that company, what is your role versus what's your role as an owner? The people that are at the top, they have a clear idea about what their relationship is to their company in that respect. Either you're the owner and you got people in place, or you're the founder and you're running around in the trenches with your team figuring out what the next move is for your business. Don't be somewhere in the middle. I think that's the takeaway. We got one more point, Ian. You got energy for it? I'm ready. All right. In 2017, the business is still in the in-person relationships. That's where these businesses happen. You know, if you cruise around the webs or social medias, it's pretty easy to get one idea about the way the world works. And the reality is when you meet people in person, the movers, the shakers, the people that are getting it done, that reality on the internet is often very, very different. Bottom line, it's easy to look pretty good on the web. It's hard to grow a successful business, okay? And if you want to grow a successful business, it's important to have great in-person relationships. Even if you run a technical business, that has to be the case with your team, with your investors, with the people that are supporting you in your mastermind. And... The people that grow great businesses spend energy, time, and have a process for developing and cultivating these relationships in person, building trust over the course of years. That still counts. Can't just sit behind a laptop and uh, change your life. You just can't. Yeah. I'm thinking of so many different instances where I've seen this to be the case. And here's the interesting thing I think, Dan, is, is like, Making $50,000 a year and having an Instagram account, it's easy to look like a multimillionaire these days. You can position your photos in a way that looks like you're having a great time all the time. You're going to all these parties. You're going to all these exotic destinations. I know people like this. I also know that a lot of times they're sitting next to their parents on that flight that bought them that ticket. So don't be fooled by these people because when you meet them in real life, the story changes. And I think Again, it's easy to see these businesses that take off in 12 months and you just think, wow, that's amazing. I can't believe how that happened. Truth of the story is they've probably been working on Amazon, other businesses for the past 10 years. And when you meet them in person, they'll tell you that. So don't take Instagram's word for it. You got to meet these people in person and see how it's actually done. All right. Those are our five points. Do we want to do a recap? Number one, it could take a really long time to make your business goals a reality. Just because the internet's moving faster doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to be moving faster. It's harder than ever to hire A players because it's a mindset game, even though there's more job boards than there were five years ago. Point number three, the vast majority of the professional class has no idea that your opportunity exists. You're probably underselling the opportunities that your business is providing to the world. Number four, 
in knowledge work, you need to be deliberate and honest about your attachment to your business. And finally, the fifth reality of running a business in 2017 is that in-person relationships are still king when it comes to growing a meaningful business. Final point, Dan, on these in-person relationships. And I just want to say one more thing about the DC Austin event that we had here is I think a lot of people don't realize when you come to these events, there's a lot of knowledge being dropped. There's a lot of information to absorb. But then there's also a lot of people that are doing business together. And these are people that met each other several years ago. They meet up a couple times a year, especially at some of these conferences that we host. And they're actually doing meaningful business together. I think that's one of my favorite parts about the DC is that this is a great place for people to meet and work with each other. Let me say something else. This is a open-minded and inclusive crowd. It's easy to get the impression from going to other conferences and hanging out with normal business people that this is a, I'm better than you. My business did more than you. I'm going to take information from you. And that's not how we roll. That's the bottom line. That's not how we roll. That's not how this community rolls. These are a delightfully diverse group of people with unique interests, people with open minds, and people that are accepting to others who give and aren't always asking what they can get from other people, okay? I just want to underline for me how open and accepting this group is to people, and that's one of the things I'm most proud of. I also want to say thank you. We only touched on a couple of the speakers from this weekend, but there were several other speakers that we didn't talk about because you just didn't have time. We had some workshops and then we had a couple keynotes. So I just want to say thank you to everybody that took the time out because it is a part-time job to put together a presentation for free and teach other people the successes that they're having in their business as practitioners. Oh, so many great speakers. I saw the founder of Book in a Box, the founders of Best Self Co., and many, many more. Again, that's for what being on the newsletter is for. You hear about all that stuff if you're on the newsletter, tropicalmba.com slash subscribe. One other point, uh, Boss Man throws a great party out there at the ranchette. That's a great party place. And I say, when you said why you moved out to the countryside, it's like, you know what? I don't need to be by the city, by all those restaurants and bars anymore. (laughs) Well, hell, because you got your own restaurant and bar out there in the countryside. The place is great. We could turn it into a party place, and that could be the next business. It was such a cool vibe. And in Austin, you can, it's like they basically have Uber for bands out there. You know, it's like, <laughs> what kind of music do you want? <laughs> you know? That was actually harder than that. But uh, we, we have to give our event organizer some credit here. She's the one that pulled that together. But I wouldn't say putting together a party is my superpower, my friend. I would say I'm excellent at it, though, because I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> Kudos to you, boss fan. All right, let's talk about this $1,500 cash reward in the next segment. I thought it would be cool if we did a little behind-the-scenes talking, as well as give one talented listener of this show a chance to win a $1,500 cash reward from the boss man himself. What? I'm giving away money. I'm giving away your money. So here's what I thought it would be cool to do. For a long time, we have been dragging our feet on changing the name of this podcast. Everybody has wanted to do it, but we have not done it for a variety of reasons, most of which is it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do. And two years ago, when we last talked about this, we felt we had other work to do. That is improve the podcast, build a better team, 
build a better blog, all those sorts of things. Now we're at the point where I feel like our brand is a bit of a limiter in terms of what we want to talk about on the show, the audiences we want to reach, and the guests that we want to reach out to. So we all feel like it's time for a fresh brand overhaul, but the problem is so we don't have any good ideas. We got bad ideas, and so that's why we're opening this up to you, listener, to give us some good ideas. That's right. Help us to name this show. So if you're the one who gives us an idea of the name of the show that we end up using, we are going to offer a $1,500 cash reward. And if you have any good ideas for names that we should call this show, we're going to put the survey up at tropicalmba.com slash TMBA 2017. Why don't you just want to stick with tropicalmba.com? What's the problem here? Well, I mean, the, our history is pretty clear, right? And the reason why this is called Tropical MBA is because one day you decided it should be called Tropical MBA. <laughs> and also, we were doing a lot of business and hanging out a lot in Asia. And the idea was like, you know, go to Asia, bootstrap your business, and get your Tropical MBA. And the reason we bought the domain was is that we opened up a job offering. And the way we justified paying so little... was through your tropical MBA was yeah because we were saying look like this is really rare the chance to travel while you work we don't have a ton of money to bring this like we wouldn't hire for this otherwise but if it's a win-win you're gonna get something like an MBA this is how you're gonna see our business you're gonna have your fingers on the controls of it and stuff and and that was basically this idea of like come get your tropical MBA literally move to Thailand and that's what it was so it was very descriptive at that at that moment well, I think it's a it's a bit of a limiter because it's so descriptive in that way. But here's the thing is like we still believe in apprenticeships. We still believe in Asia. We still believe in all these things, but we also believe that the brand is becoming a limiter for the things that we want to talk about. We touch on a lot of lifestyle in this podcast. We touch on a lot of business. We touch on philosophy. We're really looking for a brand that will allow us to grow into it. And I think a lot of ways, I don't want to drop too many hints about what we're looking for because I'm not sure we even know. And that's why we're opening this up to people. But something a little bit more broad, a little bit more of a broad appeal. Well, something that also is more of a brand, like doesn't limit us in a way that gives people a preconceived notion necessarily of what the show is about. Now, if that's a very broad notion, then sure, like maybe business is an example of a broader notion or entrepreneurship or whatever. But I love names that are like, give the show space to evolve. Because I think one of the things that's clear for us is that we're in this game for the next five years. You know, I I love this show, you know, I love doing it. But I'm not so sure I'm in like the palm tree game for the next five years, you know, and you can't blame people. Some of our episodes, some of our articles are, I think, at a very high level. They're very good. Some are, you know, like this one, not so good. But the idea that people are going to look at our brand and they're going to think we're two steps away from some ebook salesperson or whatever, you can't really blame them at the beginning, right? For the hardcore fans of the show, so many of you have been listening to this show for five years plus. Huge respect to you guys. I mean, this isn't really a decision for people that are going to listen to the show anyway. This is a decision for people that are thinking about our world of entrepreneurship or thinking about starting a lifestyle business and they're looking for guidance. And I don't want to let those assumptions about our community get in the way of people hearing the message of what so many people, listeners to this show have developed that I believe are incredibly astute observations about the world and incredible ways to approach business and life that I think the mainstream is ready to hear, that I think 
other business owners and entrepreneurs are ready to hear. And I think sometimes like uh, having a palm tree on the show can make people make a quick and easy assumption and dismiss some of the ideas. Right. I don't know if that's fair. People might be say you guys just have a bunch of head trash about it. Forget about it. No, I think I think we do. Yes. Of course we have a bunch of head trash. And I think a lot of people are probably saying you guys are crazy. This is a great brand. But the truth is we want to change the brand. And I think we want to change it so it has a little bit more of a mass appeal. Now there's some rules to this contest, Dan. Oh, boy. And I'm going to outline them. And I don't even know what all the rules are, honestly, because this is new for us. And we're going to put a form over at the Tropical MBA. And where is that going to be located, Dan? That's going to be at tropicalmba.com slash TMBA2017. Okay. And so here are some of the rules. Number one rule, you get $1,500 if we pick your name. Number two rule, if three or four people pick the same name and we also pick that name, then we divide the pot up and we split it evenly for you guys. Number three rule, the domain has to be available. Meaning if you're going to come up with a name for the show, the domain has to be available or it has to be able to be purchased for less than $5,000. Maybe you get a bonus if you negotiate that price of the domain for us. So those are the three main rules, and I'm very excited about this. All right. Speaking of helping the show out, if you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, if you have a business that benefits from the attention of successful internet entrepreneurs, people that are making it happen, check out tropicalmba.com slash sponsors. We have some availability for late in the summer. We also, I just got to mention while we're on the horn, man, we got a bunch of stuff coming up. We have events in our community going on in Mexico City, in Barcelona, in Lisbon, in Bangkok. We have a mountain biking thing going on in Andorra. If you're an established entrepreneur and you're feeling lonely, no excuses. TMBA has got the answer for you. We have an amazing community of over a thousand established entrepreneurs called the Dynamite Circle or the DC is what the insiders call it. You can learn more about that by subscribing to the TMBA at tropicalmba.com slash subscribe. All right, sales pitch over. Woo! That's not even a sales pitch. It's just letting people know what's going on, man. Dan, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Congrats on a successful event. Cheers. I will see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.